Hey everybody, this is Tracy Malone from NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. Today we're going to be talking about senior sociopaths. Senior sociopaths with Donna Anderson from Love Fraud. Senior sociopaths, she will define as anyone in the cluster B. So that includes narcissists for those of you who are wondering. But um, we have them where a senior sociopath could be in a relationship. You and them could be in a relationship or the, the sociopath could be in a relationship with your parent or someone else that you love and they're ramping it up. They're neglecting your, your parents or whoever it is. Um, and then we have the other, there's so many situations, but we're gonna talk about two today. The other one that I really wanted to bring out here is when you have a narcissistic parent that is getting older, and again, same thing as if you were in a relationship where they were in a relationship with your mother, it's just a big cluster of how do we help the other non-NARC parent. So Donna's gonna give us lots of advice and her new book is out now. So I suggest that you go and look it up. It's so full of data, it's so full of information. So let's get started and welcome Donna. Hi Donna, welcome to the show. Hi, Tracy. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. Before we start talking about senior sociopaths, which is our topic today, would you be so kind as to talk to my audience about who you are, what law fraud is, and anything else you want to share with them? Okay. Well, uh, I am the author of lovefraud.com, which I founded in 2005. So we've been on the internet for quite a while. And my objective with Love Fraud is to teach people how to recognize and recover from sociopaths. And by sociopaths, I mean someone who could be diagnosed with a cluster B personality disorder, um, which the American Psychiatric Association includes antisocial, narcissistic, borderline histrionic personality disorders, plus psychopathy. And the reason that I put them all together is because they're all equally bad news, <laughs> you know, for those of us who end up involved with them. And the reason I got into this is because I married a sociopath. Uh, my ex-husband took a quarter million dollars from me. He cheated with at least six different women during our two and a half year relationship. He had a child with one of those women. And then 10 days after I left him, not 10 days after we got divorced, 10 days after I left him, he married the mother of the child, which was the second time he committed bigamy. And I was like, my head was spinning. And I was talking to my therapist about this, as you can imagine, I needed some therapy and telling her you know, all his outrageous behavior. And she said, he sounds like a sociopath. Um, sociopath, what's that? And I started researching it and he fit the description. And so I realized that, you know, this had happened to me. I was a journalist and a business owner. And I figured that if it could happen to me, it could happen to anybody. And sure enough, as I started talking about my experience to people, they're like, oh yeah, I know someone that happened to. And so all this was going on, but nobody knew what it was and nobody was talking about it. So for that reason, I launched lovefraud.com. And you have a book, Love Fraud. You have 
several books before the book we're going to talk about now. Yes, my first book is called Love Fraud, and that tells my personal story. The full title is Love Fraud, How Marriage to a Sociopath Fulfilled My Spiritual Plan. And because there was a whole spiritual aspect to this journey. So the book reads like a cross between a true crime novel and a spiritual journal. It's like amazing. <laughs> um, and, and then after that, I wrote Red Flags of Love Fraud, 10 Signs You're Dating a Sociopath. And the purpose of that is to tell what the warning signs are uh, if you're dating a sociopath or you think you might be dating a sociopath. And then the um, that has a corresponding workbook that goes with it, the Red Flags of Love Fraud workbook, which helps people to, you know, it, it asks questions and has checklists so you can take a look and, and see um, how you may have gotten into this situation and, and what your vulnerabilities may be. And then I um, did the four-part Best of the Love Fraud blog series, which is essentially a collection of my um, better, my, well, I've got like 4,000 blog articles at this point, so there's so many people can't find them, so I wanted to make it easier for folks to find the most important articles. Wow, and and you were one of the first people I, I like found, and I remember reaching out to you, and I was deer in the headlights, and yet our stories were so similar. And I was like, oh my goodness, this woman knows what's going on here. And you've helped so many people. So thank you for doing what you've been doing for so long. You probably are like around the longest of anyone I've come across. So you know your stuff. And um, today we're going to talk about senior sociopaths. And this is your new book. I'll hold it up, although it says that it is a um, advanced copy, but it is Senior Sociopath. Oh, well, I got one too. So that one doesn't have a sticker on it. Well, <laughs> label on it. Um, okay. And so really, the, the reason that we're talking about this today is because narcissists get old, right? And so they, they can be abusive in so many different ways. And um, we have to learn that different situations can come along that these can be in, in so many different aspects of our life. So I want to like, what made you decide to write about this after you've written about so many other things? Well, um, as I was learning about antisocial personality disorder, psychopathy, narcissistic personality disorder, I kept coming across these statements in the literature, the scientific literature, that the mental health field tends to believe that antisocial behavior burns out, that sociopaths burn out in their 40s. And I was like, well, this makes no sense. Uh, my ex-husband was older than that when I met him, although, of course, he lied about his age. You know, first he said he was 49. Then he, he said that he couldn't bear to lie to me, and he had to tell me the truth that he was actually 51. Actually, he was 55, you know, so he's even when he's telling me that he's, you know, admitting the truth, he's still lying. So and and after I divorced him, he went on to scam even more people. And I was hearing the same thing among the readers. I, I was hearing from lots of people who had gotten involved with uh, sociopaths and they, you know, were with people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And, and they kept saying, that, you know, this person is not getting better. So what I wanted to do was actually research it and document it and, and see if I could gather up some data on this. So I did a, a survey of my love fraud readers 
um, called the Senior Sociopath Survey, and I specifically asked them about their experiences with people who they believed were disordered and who were also age 50 or older. And 2,120 people completed the survey. So I have got lots of data. And actually, I did two surveys because I was gathering all this data. And as far as, you know, what the people actually did, what they, I call them the index individuals, you know, they're the, the ones that we're talking about here. And um, then I realized that I... I didn't ask a question about like, how do you recover from this? So I did a second survey asking people, you know, what exactly they experienced and, and how they recovered and, and what advice they had to offer. So the book does two things. First of all, it defines and um, tells exactly what folks do who are disordered at this age. And then it offers advice on how to deal with them and also how to recover from the experience, which was all provided by the survey respondents. And I love the data in your book. I love the data in all your books. I mean, it just, it's factual. It's like ding, ding, ding. And you're like, oh, I get it. Um, I have had so many clients that are over 50 and married to, dating, broken up with, um, all kinds of different relationships. And I know you cover a lot in, in the book and, and I want you to, to explain some of the different places we can find them. So not only a relationship, but other ways, um, different types of narcissists. But when we're done with that, I really wanna talk about the romantic as well as the have two different case studies, two different friends slash clients were like, get me this answer from her. So we have sort of the romantic, like you can be in a relationship with a narcissist over 50 and you're over 50 or whatever. And um, you can also have it where your like parent gets into a relationship, like a widower that gets into a relationship with someone like they're really good targets. So we'll talk about that. And I also want to get into... Um, having a narcissistic parent mm -hmm. always had that, you know, where we talk about that, but it gets to a point I, I'm finding with my clients as well as in your book, which was great, um, is that the people that are dealing with this, the narcissist as they get older, say it's dad and mom's the nice one. Dad mm -hmm. stops the children from seeing mom. Dad, you know, it's just this control factor that mom's 85 and dying and she needs help. But the narcissist is like, no, I got her to myself. So tell me some of the situations before we go into those scenarios about um, where else can we find them besides romantic partners? Oh, everywhere. <laughs> uh, essentially, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, look over your shoulder. Um I have multiple chapters in the book. The first chapter I talk about just what we're speaking about is dating relationships where the, somebody starts dating someone who is over uh, 50 and is disordered. Um, but I also have a chapter on marriages and many, many people married while young and are finally after 20 or 30 or 40 years figuring out what was wrong with their marriage and it's the partner. You know, I mean, all this time they, they, they just knew something was wrong and couldn't figure it out. So I talk about marriages, both long-term and short-term marriages. Um, I do talk about the parents, which I think actually is probably the most important chapter of my book uh, in, in the data that I found out about that. I also talk about sociopaths in the family, you know, relatives, in-laws, uh, you know, grandparents and, and, you know, how they create havoc with, within the whole family. 
Then I talk about sociopaths as neighbors or work colleagues, um, because plenty of people realize that their boss or a coworker is uh, disordered, um, or the neighbors. And and, and that section is, is kind of interesting because the abuse that the people, the disordered people dish out to their neighbors or just acquaintances is usually pointless. You know, it's it's like, why are they doing this? I mean, there's no purpose to it whatsoever. Um, so anyhow, those are the categories that I talk about, but the vast majority of the survey respondents were in some kind of a um, romantic relationship or marriage uh, with the senior sociopaths. And so that's, most of my data is about that. Yeah, again, I think the, the parent for me and my clientele, I mean, I've certainly heard of neighbors, I've heard of landlords, I've heard of all kinds of scenarios. Um, but let's talk and focus on that romantic piece to start off with. So what kind of tactics does someone see? Like, we have two different things, right? Scenarios are they're married and they're figuring it out now, or they're, they just got divorced and they're dating them, or they, they lost someone and they're dating them. So in those scenarios, what kind of tactics would people see? Because they'd be different from being married to them for 40 years versus I just met them and they're love bombing me. Right. Well, let's talk about meeting somebody first, you know, because that's chronologically usually what happens first. And essentially, it's all the same tactics that I wrote about in the first book or the second book, Red Flags of Love Fraud, 10 Signs You're Dating a Sociopath. Uh, they engage in the love bombing. They, uh, they, even at this age, they say, oh my goodness, you're the person I've been waiting for all my life. I mean, my ex-husband said that. He was 55 years old and, and, and had all these women. And, and all of a sudden, I'm the one that he was waiting for all his life. And, and so people hear that all the time. Um, then, of course, there's the traits that you could see, like you know how charismatic they are and how uh, charming and how much fun. Um, so those are all, you know, oh, and they also tend to be really sexy. You know, I mean, sociopaths are, are highly sexual and that continues uh, after age 50. So you have these traits that when you meet someone who is, you know, charming and sexy and fun and interesting and thinks you're wonderful and is love bombing you, it seems like you've met the perfect person um, because, you know, who doesn't want to date somebody who thinks you're wonderful and is sexy and charming and, and everything like that? So then what happens is that you need to watch out for the other traits and probably the easiest one to spot is blaming, you know, because sociopaths never take responsibility for anything. Everything is always somebody else's fault. Uh, nothing is ever their fault. And that's one that you'll see early on because there's other traits like lying, but you don't know that they're lying, you know, until, you know, after the fact, until you start to figure, put things together. Um, and then, of course, you know, they're, they're grandiose and, and uh, you know, those types of traits as well. So, but the thing is that in order for somebody to be considered a sociopath, narcissist, antisocial, you need to see the whole picture, you know, just because someone is is charming and uh, sexy and, and, you know, thinks you're wonderful, that doesn't make them a sociopath. But if they're charming and sexy and love bombing you and think you're their soulmate, and, and then also blaming and lying and, and the pity play, that's a big one, you know, trying to make you feel sorry for them. If you start to see this whole picture, um, that's, that's something to be careful about. Uh, just like danger, Will Robinson, right? If they start mm -hmm. to control you, belittle you, it's not like 
they just come out very subtly, but you know, I really don't like the way you blink or could you clean this better? Or, you know, they start to pick where everything in the beginning, right. as you said, you were the best thing in the whole world and now you load the dishwasher wrong. And so it's looking for those inconsistencies to you're the best thing in the world to pick, 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 pick. That's the starting of the devaluing. And, you know, if you think about the controlling, they tend to isolate you. Oh, yes. Those are the things yeah. that we have to make sure people understand that no matter how in love you are with them, if they try to, you know, say, oh, come on, be with me tonight. I really mm -hmm. want to see you. You can see your family another day. The right off the get-go, they are isolating you. And if you fall for it in those little examples, they will have you hook, line, and sinker. Yes, that, that's absolutely true. And it, it does start to creep in. I mean, you, you don't see that right in the beginning, but you know, once you do start to see it, and and the other thing that you might start to see is something like, you know, flashes of anger. And typically what happens is that, you know, they've they've been so kind and considerate. And when you see that anger, it's like, oh, well, they must be having a bad day. I mean, you know, we're, we're all very understanding and we're, we're all very easy, you know, looking to be accommodating and to see the best in somebody. So sometimes we overlook those, those, you know, flashes and essentially what it is, is the mask slipping, you know, where you're, you're seeing what's going on behind. So, I mean, even if you don't react right away, you need to make a mental note you know, if something, you know, seems out of character, um, maybe it is, but maybe it's not. And you need to, you know, look for that entire picture. Absolutely. I tell people just document, like, it doesn't matter if they're, they're good or they're bad. Just keep a journal and be like, mm -hmm. it was really strange when John did this tonight, I was a little taken off. I should remember that it made me feel this way. And then go back to your journal another day. And if those patterns start to come really clearly that there's too many weird things, then you're mm -hmm. in that spot, right? Um, I think what, what you hit on there, and I, I wrote it down, was as people start to see these things, you know, narcissists tend to target, uh, sociopath narcissists tend to target people who are giving, caring, generous, um, and people-pleasing fixers. So if they comment that you don't, really load the dishwasher right or I'd really think the towel should be folded this way right instead of going oh no I'll fix the way I folded that towel you have to get to a point where you are not trying to fix it all like you don't have to change the way you load the dishwasher especially when you're dealing with a senior sociopath well you've got your own dishwasher you know routine and plan here right so but it forces the the as they you know complain if you would or comment it makes the victims want to try harder. Yes. Oh, I'll, I won't do that again. I won't ever speak up. It didn't work that time. So they, they hook them more and more slowly with these little tiny digs and they try to make you change things. So if I, as I just said, some of the, the characteristics that nar narcissist sociopaths look for, what are some of the, the, things that they're looking for, the, nar the sociopath narcissist is looking for in traits for someone besides being a people pleaser and kind and loving? Well, they're not necessarily looking for those traits. In fact, uh, one of my colleagues did some research as far as um, how women get caught up into these relationships and they were looking specifically at psychopaths, which is all the same genre. Mm -hmm. 
and they did research on it. And so what they found was that there were three risk factors that made women more likely to um, end up or, or, or attach with a, a psychopath. Mm-hmm. And the first was extroversion. Okay. You know, somebody who likes something, you know, who, who likes excitement, you know, likes to have a lot of things going on, likes people, someone like that. The second is cooperativeness. In other words, you're, you're somebody who likes to um, smooth things over and, uh, you know, be accommodating. And the third was investment in relationship is someone who is likes tender moments and likes special moments and, and things like that. So these are what turned out to be the traits that um, ended up putting women at risk. Now, they, they didn't have similar research for men uh, because obviously uh, men can fall into these traps as well, um, but that's what they found as far as the women were concerned. Mm-hmm. That's awesome to hear that because, again, we're always thinking, I'm a people pleaser. I'm a codependent. That's why I got sucked up, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Because yeah. actually what happens is, the, the way, this is the way I explain it. There's a three-step process that sociopath narcissists use when they target somebody. First, they meet someone, and first they figure out if this person has anything that they want, okay? Mm -hmm. Secondly, they figure out what the person's vulnerabilities are, and everybody has vulnerabilities. If we want something, that makes us vulnerable, okay? And then the third step is that they use the person's vulnerabilities to get them to give them what they want, And, and, and that's what it is, you know? So, and you know, it's not codependency. It's not that there's something wrong with you. This can happen to anybody. I mean, a lot of the people, and I'm sure a lot of people that you talk to, a lot of the people I talk to, they're professionals. You know, they're, they're, they're good. At, they're on top of their game. They're running a business and they, they're raising the kids and, and they're superwoman or superman and they still get stuck in this thing. So it, it's not necessarily being a people pleaser. You know, it's, it's that, Everybody has vulnerabilities and sociopaths are experts at figuring out what your vulnerability is and how to target it. And what you'll give, what you'll do for them. I mean, there's always a, you're the supply reason. There's always Mm -hmm. something that they're looking for and, oh, you've got that or you can help me with that. Boom, boom, boom. And and the pieces all start to seem to fall together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to talk about a uh, scenario that I know you have so many stories in the book. And honestly, as I read them, my heart was breaking because I hear them from my clients all the time, but yours were so, so rich in, in the way you describe what happened to these people that um, it, it just is going to help a lot of people to hear the examples. I have kind of examples in my book as well, and it really helps people go, oh, that's what it is. But they're heart-wrenching stories because, you know, they're in their, their last years of their life, and then they get swindled, and it all gets taken away. So I have this, this um, example that um, I want to bring up, and I have a person in question, and I'm going to describe it, and we'll see how you think it fits into this because my friend thinks her mother is being swindled, con man kind of a thing. Her mm-hmm. mother's in her 80s and mm-hmm. husband died now six months ago. Oh. Two months into her grieving, she meets this man. He's a pillar of the community. Everyone loves him. And he's one of the wealthiest men in town. So don't worry, daughter. He's not after me for my money. So that's the setup to what's going on, but things start to not add up for the daughter. And um, 
mother believes that he was married to his wife for 40 something years and it was a wonderful marriage and the daughter's hearing rumors going no he actually trades sex for like home repairs at the senior center right and the mother's like no that can't be him she's in her 80s right it's a very vulnerable time um the other things that um that are part of this story is the love bombing like crazy over the top restaurants and gifts and you know just sucking up all of her time but then he starts to help her with the finances oh dear within two or maybe a month or so after they started dating starts to talk about living together but not at her house oh no she should sell her house and move into his house because he's not going to live anywhere where another man lived even though he lived there for 50 years right um she he starts to give the financial advice again all of these things that are going on are in indebting her like oh he'll come and he'll fix my house i can't drive at night i can't drive really well so he'll come and pick me up you don't have to take me to the doctor i've got this guy right so all of this stuff is going on and the mother is absolutely no 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 he's perfect he's lovely i love him like ignores the daughter um and and the other children just doesn't even talk to them anymore and oh. it's absolutely ridiculous but as i read all of the things in your book i was like this is this is what's going on here so mm -hmm. does it sound like this is a dangerous situation for this elderly woman oh absolutely yes um and i actually have quite a few cases uh like that in the book uh, where I talk about people who um, actually it was their children who contacted me, just like your friend is contacting you, uh, worried about their parents. And um, yes, I would say that it sounds like um, the guy is love bombing her. So what do you do in a situation like this? Well, the most important thing to do is to figure out a way to maintain contact you know with the mother because uh, as you mentioned he's already trying to isolate her you know trying to pull her away now the other thing that i would suggest um, if they haven't done this already is that um the kids need to be in control of her finances you know, so um, maybe they offer to pay the bills or, or something along those lines and make sure that they're the power of attorney, uh, you know, and, uh, and and hopefully this is already set up because you know, he's probably after her to change the will. I mean, one of the things that I would I would suggest. And it might not be easy to do, but does this guy really have any money? You know, maybe he used to have money and maybe it's gone. And, you know, maybe he's gone through his wife's money who's who's passed on. And, you know, maybe maybe he doesn't have money anymore. You know, maybe he lost it all. Maybe he made a bad stock trade or something like that. And, and his assets are down to nothing. So it could very well be that maybe at one point he had money, but maybe he doesn't anymore. Uh, or maybe the whole thing was a lie all along. And, you know, because typically if the guy or anybody who is, uh, a sociopath, and maybe he is a sociopath. I mean, they typically have horrendous credit records, <laughs> you know, and and they they don't really have the um, the money or, or the assets that they say they do. So I, I'd say that that's a real risk. Um, not sure. I mean, 
you could do a credit check, but it's illegal, <laughs> you know? So if you could figure out a way to- she'd have to, she'd have to find, you know, he's gonna want her social security, but he's not gonna share his. That's yes, yes, you know? So, but um, the main thing I would say is that first of all, you know, the kids need to, you know, even if they have to bite their tongue, you know, make sure that they maintain contact with mom, you know, because otherwise, you know, the more isolated she is, the more he's going to have control. And then I would certainly um, see what her uh, documents are and make sure that they have power of attorney, that they have medical power of attorney. And, um, you know, because who knows what is and even i mean it could be that this guy is pushing for marriage you know because then he can get a hold of of everything as as a spouse and and you know that becomes very tricky because you know on the one hand you know she's in love which is understandable it's it's especially true if she had a good marriage you know because if she had this nice marriage for 40 or 50 years or something like that it's hard to imagine that it, it could be bad and and you want it again you know you want the companionship so um the other thing that the, that they should do is make sure that all the kids are on the same page uh, you know because another thing that he'll probably try to do is to split them apart and you know try and and play one against the other triangulate and things like that so they all need to make sure that they're um talking to each other i don't know how many kids there are um but you know if, if there's other family members that you know it don't let the guy you know split you apart because that's a typical strategy that they will do thank you and, and educate the family right mm -hmm. if you have five or six brothers and sisters everyone has to learn about this because if again if you've had that fairy tale marriage you can't even possibly imagine that there's con men that are going to hit up an 80 year old woman right yes we hear about all those i forgot what the word is where they're they're getting all the old ladies i've heard that that scamming kind of thing but you know those might look more scammy this looks like real love mom's mm -hmm. in love and nothing anyone's going to say so educating the whole family is such an important thing because now they can be like you know really from all sides instead of one single sister going no mom no mom that's not it that's not it because yes. if you are yes. all on the same page you can you can bring a little bit more sanity um to the to the case of trying to get mom to see some of this or at least watch for some of the the signs right she's not going to just go oh okay i'll just give up the person that i love at 80 and i'll never have someone else is that what you want that's what she's going to do but mm -hmm. if you can slowly just say you know watch for this mom or you know that what he just said and how do you do something that you know do little chores for him those are great but make it even make sure you're being fair about you do this he does that instead of slowly taking on the load of everything mm -hmm. yeah. yeah all right anything else i think um i remember from your book uh keep copies of the birth certificates the bank accounts yes. the passwords things like yeah. that that often get hijacked because again this guy's i'll help you do your bills let me set mm -hmm. it up in quickbooks and he's got your whole damn life and he's inputting right. it for you right so right. to know that you could turn the dial off and go we've got the passwords we could lock them out right now is a lot mm -hmm. better than you know having him have access and that's where the money disappears as you know 
Um, so those are those are some of the important things I remember. Um, the other kind of case that I want to talk about is the um, narcissistic parent that mm -hmm. stops like the family from seeing mom in this example. Um, what can you tell us about that? Can you give us a story or an example of that from your book? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, you know, they'll do that at any age. I, I remember one of the stories that I included in the book, a, a woman who was writing about her mother, um, who was the disordered person, and the, the sister died. You know, her, the woman's sister who, you know, shared the mother, um, and the woman who sent the story traveled eight hours to get to the funeral. And she called the, her mother from three minutes away and said, I'll, I'll be right there. And the mother demanded that the funeral director close the casket. See, he, she wouldn't let her one daughter see the other daughter. And, and I mean, you know, it, it was it was just like, you, you just never know what they're going to do. And yes, I've certainly heard of, of folks who have, um, this problem with parents is uh, one of the stories that I remember is that there was a guy um, who, who they were married for many years, uh, him and his wife, and the woman had a car accident and she ended up with traumatic brain injury. So, you know, she was fairly incapacitated. So the guy uh, ends up getting in one of these situations where the state government pays him to take care of his wife. So he was making $4,000 a month as her caregiver and locked her in the bedroom for seven years, you know, and, and, and that was it. So, and, you know, I, I have another friend who had a similar situation where her father and mother um, were elderly and the, the mother was not in a good way and the father was in charge of her care well he didn't care you know and 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 because and, I mean I've heard stories for example um, there were people who wrote in and said that you know they were much younger they they were in labor and you know ready to deliver and asked her, her the partner to take him to the hospital and he refused Okay, so if a guy is going to do this when he's young, is he going to take care of you when you're old, you know, when, when you're incapacitated? Um, so in, in this situation like you're talking about, you know, unfortunately, they already are married and they've been together a long time. So, you know, a lot of the things that you could do if they're not married, you know, like getting a hold of the finances and things like that might not be an option in that situation. So in that case, you might want to try and figure out a way to manipulate the manipulator. And, you know, maybe you figure out, you know, how do you play to his ego? I mean, you, you know, it's outrageous. You know, he's, he's keeping you from seeing your mom or, or the, keeping the family apart or something like that. And you want to, you know, grab him by the throat and shake him. But if he's in the driver's seat, you know, you, you got to figure out a way to work around it. So maybe you can flatter him or, or maybe you can say, well, you know, how about if you go on vacation and, and, and I'll watch mom, you know, or, or something along those lines, or, or why don't you go out to dinner and, and I'll take care of mom today, you know, something along these lines. I mean, you, you actually might have to sweet talk him and, you know, try and figure out a way to, to, play their same games against them and 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 that it could work you know depending on how good you are at it or, or whatever but 
try and figure out what would appeal to them and, and what you could possibly offer uh, in order to get you know, access um, to, to the mom. Do whatever you have to to see yeah. them because leaving mom alone um, uncared for is, is not clearly the answer. Um, I think also sometimes reaching out to the lawyer, the family lawyer, um, making sure that the power of attorney or medical power of attorney, if it's not the, the senior sociopath dad in this case, doesn't get revoked. Talk to the lawyer. If you're the medical power of attorney, talk to the lawyer and go, if anyone tries to change this, let me know because mom can't even sign her name. So right. let's just make sure that all the cards are on the table and the lawyer's aware that this is not what should be happening because sometimes lawyers get conned into it as well. Maybe they've been their lawyer for 40 years and they'll believe anything they say, but this is end of life stuff. This is choices. And I have had clients that had um, taken away medical power of attorney and given it to say their son. Mm -hmm. I had a woman who was in ICU and mm -hmm. uh, it was actually new new husband, um, older gentleman. He showed up with a fake power of attorney Ugh. would not let the son visit like he came in with this power of attorney pretended it was real and then um blocked the real power of attorney kid from coming to see his mother while she was in a coma right i mean and he so he spent like a month trying to fight for his right to say this is really the one and so knowing that those documents are as solid as they can be obviously if they are the power of attorney there's not much you can do there except i've heard of um going to any hospital where they might be checking into like if that's near your house that's near your house talking to the doctor again they're going to call mom's doctor and making sure that the um the doctor is aware that if something yeah. happens to mom, you get called as well. So you're kind of putting yourself on a call list because you know you're not going to get it from dad. Right, right. Now, the other thing that you might want to consider um, is installing one of those little nanny cams or, or something like that. And, uh, and, and they have them now where, I mean, you know, usually we're, we're appalled by this because, uh, you know, people use it to spy on their girlfriends and things like that. But in a case like this, you might need to see what's going on. And, you know, maybe you get one of those little fake things that looks like a keychain or, you know, or, or whatever, and, and, and just leave it around the house and just see, because, I mean, you, you may need to know, uh, is the person being abusive or is your, your, you know, person who's um, failing, it is, is he or she being neglected? So, I mean, you, you might need to look into that just to, to get some evidence. And it, it may or may not be legal again, where you are, but you may or may not care, <laughs> you know, because sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. I, and I know that the um, Amazon Alexa devices, I hope she doesn't hear me, um, can drop in like it could be on mom's night table and you could call it and the camera comes on and you could see. So oh, that would be great. Yeah. Really good tool. When my dad was dying, we had the, uh, we had to get the one with the screen so you could see her and then see him and he could see me. So again, it's sort of pop in. It was just, he's in his hospital room and we would just kind of call it in and it would go on because we enabled it on both devices. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's a lot less, you know, difficult to hide 
well, that, you know what it's there. Oh, she's going to listen to a book on tape. Dad, don't worry. I bought it for Christmas, you know, but it has these other functions that could do that same thing. We need to have evidence. If you're that concerned that your parent is not being cared for, um, mm -hmm. whatever evidence you can gather. And I say, ask for forgiveness after you um, record. Yeah. Was I not supposed to do that? Um, it's, right. it, it's just what you've got to do to protect your parent. So are there anything that we missed um, that we need to explain? Did we cover everything here? As far as the, the both romantic or the or the elderly? Yeah. Well, there's there's one thing that um, I, I should talk a little bit about what I found with this research, yeah. and um, as I said, one of the things that I did uh, is ask a lot of questions of my survey respondents. And one of the questions that I asked was uh, whether or not they knew the person both before and after age 50. And 40% of the survey respondents did. And then I asked about what was their behavior like before and after age 50? Well, 91% of the survey respondents said that their manipulation, deceit, and antisocial behavior was just as bad or worse after age 50 than it was before age 50. So, so that's the documentation that proves that if people have these personality disorders, they're not going to change. You know, they are not going to get better. And this is really important to understand because if you're involved in a situation like this, you know, whether it's a romantic partner or it's your parent or a family member, you, you don't want to be waiting for years and years and years, hoping and praying that this person is going to mellow out because they're not. So this is, this is the message that I want to get across to people that if you have a, a senior sociopath in your life, you know, someone who's distorted and has you know, these exploitative tendencies, they're not going to change. Mm -hmm. So you need to know this and you need to say to yourself, how do I want to live the rest of my life? And, you know, if, if you're married to this person, do you want to get to the point where you're in a wheelchair and you're dependent on them and knowing that they're not going to care for you? Or uh, if this is your parent, uh, I mean, when are you going to have your own life? And, you know, if it's a boss, are, are you going to stay there, you know, hoping that this person's going to mellow out and change? Uh, or, or do you move on and find another job? So the important thing is that they do not change. And knowing that, what steps are you going to take for yourself? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, we know that, that sociopaths and narcissists don't like it when you're sick. They don't like to take care of people, right? It is just fundamentally what? It's supposed to be about me, not you, right? So when they get older, it's scary. You were talking and I wrote down a word of nursing homes. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, my mom was in a nursing home and I got really friendly with the nurses and she never left her room. So she wasn't affected, but the nursing station people would tell me, that there were predators that were coming and, and sort of like manipulating um, people that live there. And that it's a very hard thing if your parent could be being abused 
in a, in a nursing home or financially abused because they live down the hall. There's so many different ways. Do you have that in the book as well? I don't oh, yes. Yes. I, I have several case studies of people who were in assisted living situations. And in fact, one of the stories was about uh, this woman whose both her parents lived in the assisted living center and the mother passed away. Well, you know, within a couple of months, you know, just like your friend, uh, this woman comes trotting down the hall, you know, trying to make friends with the father, you know, who was there and, and he had been married for 42 years. He was heartbroken and she started moving in on him and, you know, just taking control of him to the point where, you know, this is the type of situation in this assisted living place where all the meals were taken care of, you know, and that, you know, that was all paid for. Well, she insisted that he take her out for, for meals all the time. So now he's spending all this money when he could be eaten for free, you know, in, in the assisted living. Plus when they are there, if they're walking down the hall and, and the, the, somebody comes towards them, the woman was like dragging him going off in another direction. So she was isolating him from all his friends that were in the facility. And it, it got to the point where the, you know, the family, the daughter and, and their brothers and sisters figured out what was going on. And they actually had to move him to another facility because there was no way to stop what was going on, you know, with this woman who lived there. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is like, so earning the badge of you can't make this shit up. <laughs> I mean, the stories we both have heard are just over the top and yet oddly similar like they yes. deviate a little bit but like it's almost like they have a big book to follow the rules and they just know oh well, i'm 50 i'll be this kind of a jerk now um it just seems like they they learn and of course they're always learning what they can get away with 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 a victim but they learn and they adapt and become more wicked as they get older um can you share with me how people can find you and we'll both hold up our books again yes yes we have right here right yep this is coming right. out. what is the date that it will be launched may 17th um although uh ebooks are, are are available on amazon now for pre-order uh, and then after the launch date, um, soft cover books and hardcover books will be available on Amazon and also um, other places, Love Fraud, my website, lovefraud.com, uh, we can get them there too. And then through other channels, um, iBooks, um, I, yeah, that, where all the eBooks are distributed, all, all those places, you know, wherever you get them. So um, it will be available everywhere and um, lots and lots of good information. and. I especially like the the last two chapters about dealing with senior sociopaths like one of the people who experienced this with the the uh, woman elderly woman moving in on their father I mean she wrote an extensive list of tips uh, to help people who are in this situation um, and then other people talked about their experiences and how they dealt with it and then how they recovered from it so there's lots and lots of good information that will help people um, to understand what they're dealing with and how to extricate themselves from these situations. It's an amazing book. And as all of yours have been that I've read, but this is just like, there's nothing out there on senior sociopaths, senior narcissists. Um, and this is going to change a lot of people's lives because they are struggling to know what do I do now? What happens? So thank you for writing this book. It's really needed in the community. And thank you so much for being on my show today. Tracy, I appreciate it and uh, thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome.
Wasn't she great? I just love her. Um, one thing I just remembered and I forgot to talk about when we were chatting was the decision to go no contact. This often comes into the, the scenario, specifically if it's a family member where you just can't take it anymore or the cruelty that they are inflicting on everyone around them becomes something where you have to self-love to walk away from your family because you can't handle the senior narcissist. So if you are processing deciding to go no contact with a narcissist or sociopath in this case um i want to bring this up this is my processing going no contact journal and it has all of these pages with um choices with words with instructions things for you to think about going no contact with a family member is not an easy decision and if you don't think through the different scenarios what am I going to do if and what happens when if you don't think about these things and I've outlined them and told you what to think about here and then the rest of the book is a big big journal that you can put all of the things in and process it in one place so if you're thinking about going no contact with your narcissist please pick up this book it's on amazon.com you can also find it on my website narcissistabusesupport.com so Thank you, Donna, for a great, great interview and educating us about senior sociopaths. And find Donna on her her website, lovefraud.com. Thank you, everyone, and I'll see you next time.